Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. It's been about 24 hours since we have known now that affirmative action in higher education, the policy of racial discrimination and bias Yes, that's right. Racial discrimination and bias and affirmative action, they're the same thing. That has been struck down by the United States Supreme Court in a six to three vote. And folks, the left has gone apoplectic because if you go after one of their idols, they are going to go after you. They go bat nuts crazy. So much so that a ABC The View host, Anna Navarro, and her comments over the whole Hunter Biden thing being just a story of the father's love for his son, and we should probably write at least a, a made-for-TV or made-for-Netflix movie about that great love affair between Joe Biden and Hunter Biden didn't even make it into a revamped best and worst of the week. I'm Andrew Coppins. For the last time this week, I am flying solo. And of course, as always, this is Critical Thinking. So as you know, Friday is best and worst of the week, crowning a brand new Richard of the week, all of that wonderful goodness. And normally Pat and I would be giving you just our singular best and worst takes, but regardless of Pat being here or not, I wanted to switch things up and and kind of revamp it and, and see what you like. So do not forget, you can follow on Twitter at The Coppin Show. That's where I'm most active. You can follow the Facebook page. Uh, we are also on Instagram. Um, and I wanted you to be able to um, at least give us some feedback. So you can always do that by giving us a review on your favorite podcasting platform. Like us there. Do not forget, you can watch us every single Monday through Friday over on our Rumble page, rumble.com backslash critical thinking. Rumble.com backslash critical thinking is where you can find us in the video form. Now, having said that, the revamp that is coming here is instead of us just giving our singular best and worst takes of the week, we are going to compile our four best and our four worst takes of the week. We're going to go through them in quick succession, and then we're going to discuss all four of them and come up with our collective best and worst take of the week. Because there's so much going on in the week that it's really difficult to pack in some of the things that we might want to. And so there's going to be some changes over throughout the summer here, and this is going to be one of them. So again, let us know. I'm at the Coppin Show. He is at the Pat Oni Show. Um, let us know your feedback on this format. But before we get into our best and worst takes of the week, there are a lot of things that we need people to be reminded of when it comes to where people stand when it comes to affirmative action. And 
I think there's no greater way to start our best and worst takes of the week. This is a bonus worst take of the week because this isn't uh, Trump this week. But this is Trump in his latest last position known when it comes to affirmative action. Affirmative action. Should we keep it? Yes or no? I'm fine with affirmative action. I mean, should I should be expanded or is it having, should be limited. Well, it should be, you know, you have to also go free market. You have to go capability. You have to do a lot of things. But I'm fine with affirmative action. We've lived with it for a long time and I've lived with it for a long time. And I've had great relationships with lots of people. So I'm fine with it. He is fine with affirmative action, you see, because for him, it's in a way for him to to diversify and gain some cover in the employment area. But with that having been said, yeah, it's true. You've lived with it your entire life because, well, well, not your entire life, but since it started because, well, you've been alive the entire time. It has been the policy of higher education for my entire life. Not yours, Donald Trump, but he is A-OK with affirmative action. We're just living with it as if the discriminatory policies of Harvard and UNC and UC Berkeley and everywhere else that has given points to certain groups while taking points away from other groups, mainly Asian Americans, not to mention the hiring or not the hiring process, but the uh, admissions process at the University of Texas at Austin. Um, that was not in this lawsuit, but this was part and parcel of this. That was, you know, a terrible decision by a previous Supreme Court. <coughs> but it's not just about Donald Trump, because one of the I don't know if you want to call him maybe an anti-hero or whatever you want to call him of the set that is looking for. Somebody who wants to drain the swamp and understands what time it is, but doesn't like the ickiness, the personal foibles, the crudeness, if you will, of Donald Trump. They have largely turned to RFK Jr. as of late, as if he is some real alternative to those who believe in the MAGA policies, right? Those who believe in America first or the populist policies, but also have their conservative values when it comes to guns and education and all of that. I also want you to be reminded of this from RFA, RFK Jr. on affirmative action. This is his statement, okay, from Yesterday, regarding the Supreme Court banning affirmative action in higher ed, I know many Americans feel that purely race-based decisions are unfair. However, this feeling misses important context. The effects of racist policies going back centuries are now self-perpetuating. So again, there is RFK Jr., and this is not some purity test, by the way. This is simply a reminder to you of whom he really is. He is not a friend other than the single issue of COVID-19 vaccination. By the way, you're likely to be turned off by 
a lot of what he says about other vaccinations and kind of the the straight up conspiracy theories that have been debunked or his mischaracterization of data and scientific studies. You're going to find as you dig deeper into RFK Jr., an individual that is not a friend to the Constitution, is not a friend to anything other than civility, potentially, and being anti-vax and anti-COVID-19 mandates and lockdowns and all of that. So he gets what time it is when it comes to those things. But remember, this at his core, he is a climate change nut, wanting, still not repentant for wanting to, to lock people up who speak ill of climate change. He is not repentant when it comes to um, wanting to alter and get rid of the Second Amendment. He is not a friend to those who believe in the real constitution of this country. That's the reality of who RFK Jr. really is. Is it somebody that you can form a coalition on with the vaccination issues, with the COVID-19 vaccine issues, with the call for a Nuremberg-like trial or tribunal, Warren, not Warren Commission, because I don't like the Warren Commission, but... Um, you know, something in which we get a grand jury, something in which we get real congressional investigation, um, not partisan, but real congressional investigation into scientific information, into what turned from scientific information to public policy and who benefited and how and da 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 da. Can you form a coalition with RFK Jr. on that? Absolutely. But he is not your friend. He is not somebody that you can form a fellowship with because he doesn't believe anything else that you believe, okay? That is the reality of RFK Jr. So for all of those who I would be, be willing to pull the lever for RFK Jr. over Donald Trump or over Ron DeSantis or over this person or that person, do your homework and then come back and ask me if that is somebody who you want in office, because his entire history of what he says, what he does, and who he is suggests that he is a fellow to the far left. It's just that he bucks the trend when it comes to the re re rhetoric around COVID-19 and what took place when it came to COVID-19. He is not a libertarian. He sure as hell is not a conservative. He is just anti-vax. And as we talked about in Reviving Liberty, and as we're writing things up about that, it is something we have long talked about. The difference between a coalition and a fellowship. And what we need now is less coalition building and more fellowship building. There are coalition time and place moments. Maybe this is the time and place to have that reckoning and if RFK Jr. is willing to help us have that reckoning. But we can use RFK Jr. as we are forming fellowships with those who hold uh, these same principles. RFK Jr. does not hold your principles at all, period, point blank. He just does not. That is the reality that I hope you get. From all of this. But 
go to RFK Jr. is going to come up in a little bit here. So why don't we do this? Let's go into four of the best takes this week, and they're going to be in no particular order. They're just four of the best takes that we saw this week. I will discuss them, and I will give you my overall best take this week. So let's start with number one. What Governor Ron DeSantis is doing in Florida is unimaginable. And his latest policy is a modern day book burn. <laughs> now, the most cherished books of our time can no longer be read by Florida children. Why? Because Ron DeSantis has censored them. Can you believe it? Classics like P is for Penis, Whore and Peace, and Moby's Dick have been pulled from the shelves of Florida public schools. Does your second grader want to read Charlotte's webcam? Well, thanks to Ron DeSantis, that book has been banned. Did you ever imagine a day would come when children couldn't read titles like Atlas Pegged or Catcher in the Guy? Even Pitcher in the Guy was taken from the library. Welcome to Ron DeSantis' Florida, a place once known for being the most erotically shaped state is now left with zero erotic graphic novels for its kindergartners. And now, in a shameless act of partisan politics, DeSantis is even going after President Biden's beloved pop-up book, Shower Time. So we must act. Please, vote Democrat. But in the meantime, call the governor's office and say, you're doing me raw, is another book we demand back on the shelves. With your help, we'll put indispensable titles like The Grapes of Ass, To Kill a Cocking Bird, and hundreds of others back onto our kids' reading lists. Our children are the future, and we Florida Democrats will never stop fighting for what turns us on. Paid for by the Global Reading Opportunities Outreach Movement. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, that was such a great, great piece of satire. Speaking of RFK Jr., I told you good RFK Jr. was going to make a return. Here we are with best take number two. You say that you're a Democrat, um, but you're getting a lot of support from a lot of leading voices on the right, like Steve Bannon, Tucker Carlson, Alex Jones, former President Donald Trump. Many Democrats fear that you're a spoiler in the race, that you will damage President Biden in the primary and grease the skids for former President Trump to return to the Oval Office. This week, former President Trump said about you, Kennedy is smart and he's a common sense guy. What kind of man do you think Donald Trump is? Well, you know, here's what I'm not going to do in this race. I'm not going to attack other people per personally. I don't think it's good for our country. And I think, you know, what I'm trying to do in this race is bring people together, is to try to bridge the divide between Americans. And guess what? The you know, when my dad died and we took this train ride from, you know, this seven and a half hour train ride that was supposed to be two hours. And I brought his, I was with him when he died in Los Angeles. And then we brought his body from, uh, from New York, Penn Station to Union Station and Washington, D.C. And there were, there were, it was a two and a half hour ride, but it took seven and a half hours because there were two and a half million people on that train track. And, and it was the cross-section of America and all of the major urban stations in Trenton, Newark, uh, uh, Wilmington and Baltimore, there were black Americans singing Battle Hymn of the Republic. There were whites on the, in the rural areas who, who were holding up signs, goodbye Bobby, pray for us Bobby, American flag standing, saluting. Four years later, and they had supported my father in the primaries in 1968. Four years later in 1972, 
they were not supporting my father and they were not support they were not supporting George McGovern, who was aligned with my father on all these issues. Instead, the vast majority of them were supporting George Wallace. And, you know, there, my father was able to harness these populist energies. In the last day of his life, he won the most rural state in this country, South Dakota, and the most urban. He was able to bridge the divide among people who would otherwise be Republican, but wanted somebody who was common sense, who was able to appeal to their idealism, who was able to find the hero in each of them, who was able to get them to transcend narrow self-interest and see themselves as part of a community and part of this you know, incredible American adventure in, in modeling self-governance for the rest of the world. And so I'm proud that President Trump likes me even though I don't agree with him on most of his issues. I'm, because I don't want to alienate people. I want to bring people together. I'm proud that all these people like me and that I have independent supporters and Democratic supporters and that I'm able to bring a lot of people. You know, every Democrat says, I want to end the polarization. But how do you do that without talking to people who don't agree with you? How do you do that without appealing to people? Without the per My purpose is to find the issues, the values that we have in common, rather than, you know, focus on the issues and the personalities but, that keep us all apart. It is a take that is badly needed in our country, for sure. I have my druthers with his idea that he's somehow a populist or, or whatever have you, but you're not hearing a lot of politicians speak like this right now. You're not hearing a lot of people running for office speaking like this right now. And I think it is an important message that that can we find the commonality again? Because that's the point of reviving liberty. That's the point of, of finding our principles again. And who are we? And asking those questions. And then finding a leader who will help us coalesce around those again. So I like the messaging. I think that's a really good answer to uh, praise Donald Trump, right? The trap that was being set there. You didn't have to praise Donald Trump. He just said, I'm proud that he likes me. I don't agree with his policies. That's awesome. Let's have those conversations. But there's some other parts of this that I would have my druthers with, not just the populism thing, but also the pie in the sky uh, parts of, of the we need to have conversations with people who are not like us and that is all true and wonderful and great but that doesn't tell us where we are in reality right now <clears throat> the the time for conversation for me is over the time for winning and returning to i can agree to disagree is our goal but you have to defeat those who want all or nothing you have to defeat those who say it is only my way or the highway. And what I mean by that is it is either socialist leftist policy or the highway. It is the religion of the woke, bend the knee or else. That crowd has to be defeated. Because for me as a libertarian and for, for those of us who may be in the MAGA Forever crowd as you listen to us, Ultimately, what do we want to have government do? Leave us alone, protect our borders, protect 
uh, us from attack and largely leave us alone. That's the ultimate goal here. But there is a very large minority and growing to a potential majority of people who don't believe that, who believe in what we took what took place with government and its subjugation and its ripping of people's livelihoods and lives during COVID-19 that are perfectly fine with it, that believe that this should happen more and more and more. How do you share a space with that is the question that I think RFK Jr. needs to wrestle with because I think you have to defeat that mentality before you can agree to coalesce around some principles and then be able to have discussions with people who disagree with you. We would love to be in a position in which the Federalist Papers could be a thing that we do in this society again, but that's not the reality that we are living in. All right, with that being said, let's go here with my third of the best takes. I think that this whole business, when we're deciding based on race, at least as a factor, that sort of assumes that all people of a certain race are sort of monolithic, that minorities are monolithic. And I know at least for Asian Americans, sort of the way that we're perceived is hardworking, no charisma, no character. And, and you see that in those in, in the Harvard case, you'll see that um, that's how they view Asian American students. They see us sort of as bland and sort of lacking character. And I think that that's sort of what happens to all minority groups when you view us first and foremost as a certain race, and then just look at individual characteristics that we have later. I think we should flip that around and view our individual characteristics regardless of what race we are first and foremost. And I think that's that's the most appropriate way to, to do this. Um, because there, again, you can look at recommendation letters. You can look at, um, there's so many other things that you can look at. And I know that Boomi was mentioning sort of this holistic admissions process. In that process, you have so much data. You have access to your parents' income, for instance, if you might need financial aid. You have access to information about the school district that you grew up in. And I think that information actually gives you knowledge of the student situation and sort of what advantages or disadvantages that you might have in life. Because any student of any race at an underfunded school district won't necessarily have the same opportunities that somebody at a very highly funded school district. And so by looking at what opportunities they had available and how they were able to make the most of that is not something that requires you to look at race. When you can actually pinpoint that the experiences that a student might have had um, through other factors that don't involve race. That is the best answer to getting rid of affirmative action that I have ever heard. And he's exactly right. You can blind the admissions policy and look at factors and data and analyze all of it to come up with things that look at opportunity versus low opportunity versus potentially socioeconomic issues. All of those types of things, because by the way, that is much more of a driving factor of the the potential for academic achievement, if you will, than race. That That's the reality. So can you take that and meld it into an algorithm or a formula in which people are just numbers? Yes. And, and believe you me, you will actually get a better meritocracy out of that. And you will also get more 
diversity. All right. With that having been said, it is time for our fourth. That's right. Our fourth in the best takes of the week. Trump says you're disloyal. Do you feel that way? Disloyal to who? I mean, you know, politicians have to earn support. They're not entitled to support. Uh, I did a lot for him in 2016 and 2020, by the way, was happy to do it. But at the end of the day, um, you know, I'm loyal to my family, to our Constitution and to the good Lord. And I have a vision. Uh, I think I'm the guy that can beat Biden. But even more importantly, no more excuses on these issues. I'm going to get all of this stuff done. We'll have a plan on day one to get going and get cracking. We'll give you two great terms for eight years and really get the country on a fundamentally different path. I think I'm the guy to do it. And so I have uh, the responsibility to step up and serve. Yes, 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 yes. Loyalty, right? And that's the problem that we saw play out all this week on Twitter. Um, The you must, you know, fealty to the cult of of MAGA forever, the cult of Donald Trump. And and if you don't, we're going to, number one, expose everything that you've said behind closed doors. We're going to viciously attack you, which is exactly what happened to Pedro Gonzalez. You know, and look, Pedro readily admitted he was in a very dark, terrible, horrible place. But folks, there are lots of people who have been in very dark, terrible, horrible places and have done an about face, a 180, whatever euphemism you want to use, whatever turn of phrase you want to use, and gone the other direction and done it sincerely. It's the point of restitution. It is the point of penance. It is the point of um, the entire process of people going to jail and reforming themselves. Now, does that always happen? No. But for those that do, do you continue to pay the price? And this is always the thing that I talk about with people who have been in prison or jail. Do you continue to pay the price for your past mistakes when you've proven or shown to be different? It's a di- There's a difference between putting it in the back of your head and putting it in the front of your head. But this is the thing. You have to be loyal to Trump because it's a cult. To the MAGA forever cultists out there, you are in a cult. And I can't help you if you don't see that. Anything but fealty to every single thing. Answer me this. Were you or were you not on the COVID-19 is a absolute mistake and all the policies that we made and all of the decisions that were made and Operation Warp Speed and the vaccine and all of that were absolute trash. Were you or were you not with myself, with the Steve Daces of the world, uh, with the Daniel Horowitzes of the world, the Matt Taibis, the Alex Berenson's, although Alex and I have quite a bit of disagreement on how he interprets data and things like that, he has gotten quite a bit correct and more importantly gets the larger points correct. But disloyal? What loyalty does anybody owe to a politician? And that's the point that I loved about that. Now, which of the four, right? Which of the four? The really funny uh, parody Ron DeSantis video, the RFK Jr. video, the um, ABC having an Asian 
American student on to talk about affirmative action or to have the uh, Ron DeSantis loyalty video. Which, which of those takes wins? Well, for me, this is very simple. Number one, this is the hottest issue out there right now. But number two, this is literally, hey, guess what? I'm not saying people don't have different potential outcomes based off of the opportunities that they have access to. I'm saying we should take into account that factor, not their skin color. That's how you deal with the affirmative action crowd. That is my best take of the week. That is an absolutely brilliant take because it literally smashes the shibboleth of the left. It absolutely takes on the cult. Now, you can make the argument that Ron DeSantis took on the cult, and that is true. But I think this was vitally important to hear from a minority student, one that, by the way, is affected more than people who, quote unquote, look like me, right? They're affected greatly by admissions policies at UNC, at Harvard, at UC Berkeley, all around the country. Why? Simply because culturally, that community puts a greater emphasis on academic achievement than other cultures do. Not races, cultures. Because there are Asian cultures in which that isn't the case by the by. But by and large, academic achievement in that community is important. And access to that comes not because they're super wealthy, but because they emphasize that and they test well and they get the data points correct. So I think it would be interesting to see if we can come up with a more holistic approach. Yes, that's important. Because, yeah, that's what they're going to do on the left, but a holistic approach that is based off of data that can help with grades, that can take into consideration socioeconomic situations, but blind so that you have no advantage. Should the poor kid growing up in the trailers in rural Alabama or rural Mississippi who, you know, they might be able to spend $3,000 on their education in the public school system there have any less of an advantage or any less of a situation in which they don't get the data point the same way as somebody who grows up in back of the yards or um, West Garfield park or in Austin, the neighborhoods here in Chicago that are as poor as poor can get and full of crime and violence and death. They literally are experiencing the same levels of despair and poverty and lack of access to opportunity that others might have. Now, you can also point to the people who achieve despite all of those things, and that is 100% true. But again, that would prove itself out in the data points. So that, for me, is exactly why this is the best take of those. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. 
Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, bit to get 30, bit to get 20, 20, 20, bit to get 20, 20, bit to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Week. With that having been said, folks, it is also time for us to go ahead and take a look at the worst takes of the week. That's right, folks. The worst takes of the week. And I think we need to start with um, a completely random, (coughs) totally weird take coming from our friends at Planned Parenthood. The idea of virginity comes from outdated, let's be real, patriarchal ways of thinking that hurts everyone. And um, they're photoshopped thingamajig is uh, virginity is a social construct. Virginity is a social construct. No, it's a thing. You are that until you uh, engage in sexual acts. That That's just a reality. That's not a social construct. It is literally a physical reality. Now, are there aspects of virginhood or virginity that society emphasizes as pure or better than? Absolutely. But those do come from a background in which that virginity matters to religion. It has, by the way, been something that societies all over the globe have worshipped. Societies all over the globe have emphasized for literally ever. Virginity is a social construct. No, what you mean is that you don't want power. Virginity literally is not part of the patriarchy. How do I know it? Because both boys and girls are virgins until they do what? Have sex, right? That, that, that is a universal truth. It's not a social construct. But leave it to parent, parent, planned parenthood, if I can say that two times fast, to come up with that insanity. Now, speaking of, um, of insanity, my home state of Wisconsin uh, brings this, and I'm just going to warn you, if uh, you've got virgin ears, or you have uh, those little ones in the vehicle, you're going to want to give yourselves a pause or a skip forward. I I just choosing not to censor this because it kind of gives less credence to what was being said here. But um, this from the Senate floor 
in Madison. Fuck the suburbs. Because they don't know a goddamn thing about how life is in the city. <laughs> what? Say what? But what she is attempting to correlate here is, well, they passed a big time budget. Uh, I think it's like $5 million or something like that to hire more police and fire for the city of Milwaukee that is underserved and underprotected, especially in, by the way, the district in which this individual, this person actually represents. They get the most out of this. And she's happy about it, but says, screw you to the people from the suburbs because, well, they don't feel safe when they come to my neighborhood and they bring guns and they, they get those guns stolen and then those guns are used. And then she makes the point of every, every single gun rights activist out there for us. They leave them in the vehicle and they get stolen because they're gun-free zones and they don't want to break the law. Now, personally, I would suggest your law means nothing to my life. So F your law and I'll deal with those consequences. How about that one? When it comes to protecting my life, if you want to go down that road, shouldn't they have the ultimate right in your crime-riddled, death-riddled neighborhoods to protect themselves at all times from the robbers, from the killers, from the looters in your district? Weird, weird flex from that individual. Then um, we've got a couple of more affirmative action takes for you. This one comes from Elizabeth Warren, who, ah, how are you talking about affirmative action? But she states, yesterday, an extremist Supreme Court has once again reversed decades of settled law, rolled back the march toward racial justice and narrowed educational opportunity for all. I won't stop fighting for young people with big dreams who deserve an equal chance to pursue their future. Mm. Focahontas. Sit this one out. Just, just sit it out. Most importantly, because you used an absolute fake Native American identity within your family that you knew was not true. To benefit yourself in getting a cush teaching position at Harvard Law. You decided that your womanhood wasn't enough to get you over the finish line, that you had to literally make up genealogical history to check a box that you were Native American when you no way know how are. Now, the worst of all of this is the, this is erasing decades of settled law. Again, I keep going back to this time and time again. This is the easiest of all the arguments to debunk. Was Plessy versus Ferguson good law? It was settled law. I want, I want people to think about this. In fact, I want to look this up real quick. Plessy versus Ferguson was a decision in 1896, right? The separate but equal segregation laws not violating the equal protection clause of the 14th Amendment. 
decades of settled law. That was quote-unquote settled law vis-a-vis the decision of the Supreme Court of the United States of America from 1896 till Brown versus the Board of Education changed that. The settled law argument is ridiculous on its face. It is absolutely ridiculous. There's no such thing as quote-unquote settled law unless, like the Second Amendment, the language in that constitutional amendment is crystal bleeping clear and we have clear identifiers as to what the founders, what the people who wrote the amendments, whatever, meant by them. Otherwise, it's pretty much open to interpretation. And when a bad decision is made, do you correct it or do you not? And when you have evidence of that bad decision impacting other minorities in this country... Do you or do you not change it? Now, when we look at the actual decision of the Supreme Court, a 6-3 decision, you read Cantante uh, Jackson Brown. Uh, when you read her statement or her dissent, it literally reads not of a legal scholar, but of a straight-up politician. Read Clarence Thomas, read Justice uh, Supreme Court Chief Justice John Roberts's full uh, majority opinion and the consenting opinion of Clarence Thomas once. Again, you use those words and I don't think you understand what they actually mean. And again, this is coming from somebody who used this racial preference to their advantage, even though... It was utterly fake. And then finally, we have colleges saying the quiet part out loud about their hiring practices. What I mean by unstated affirmative action is, what if the college or university doesn't tell anybody, doesn't make any public statements, but still wants to? I'll give you an example from our law school But if ever I'm deposed, I'm going to deny I said this to you. Um, When we do faculty hiring, we're quite conscious that diversity is important to us. And we say diversity is important. It's fine to say that. But I'm very careful when we have a faculty appointments committee meeting. Anytime somebody says, you know, we should really prefer this candidate over this candidate because this person would add diversity. Don't say that. You can think it. You can vote it. But our discussions are not privileged. So don't ever articulate that that's what you're doing. Well, that works more easily with regard to faculty hiring. With regard to student admissions, it becomes more difficult because of statistical measure. Holy smokes. Now, this might not be brand, brand speaking new, but this is the discussion at UC Berkeley, by the way, in regards to their hiring practices. So you have, quote-unquote, conscious bias that you just don't speak out loud, and that's totally okay. Totally do it. Just, shh, don't say it. You're an asshole. I'm just going to say that if you do that, like straight up. And that's why I believe the hiring practices and the 
Admission practices need to be blinded. They need to be put into data points. They need to be put into ways in which race and ethnicities and all of that um, are very hard to figure out. And it's down to qualification, meritocracy. And maybe this is the way in which we can use AI to our advantage into creating a more meritorious society. Because I don't know about you, but if I heard that at UC Berkeley, I would wonder if I'm actually getting a quality education for the tens of thousands of dollars that I'm paying every semester at UC Berkeley Law School. It would make me think twice about attending. Now, do you or do you not already have your eyes open to this practice in hiring and in admissions? I don't know. I don't know how many people go through the the thought processes of looking at it and seeing it in practice and are aware of it. I really don't. Okay, so we've got Elizabeth Warren deciding to pipe up about affirmative action. We've got UC Berkeley saying, You've got F the suburbs and then, um, yeah, just, oh, and then Planned Parenthood virginity is a social construct and down with the patriarchy. For me, I think it's Elizabeth Warren that wins this one because, like I said, sit this one out. Just, just no, just all sorts of no. And you are using the laziest arguments of all time. It's settled law. Until you change the law, and then until the Supreme Court rules on the law and then gets challenged again later on and and the opinions of the court can change based on the makeup of the court. Oh, we got to pack the court then. Oh, so you're saying you just want... No, that's an awful take. See you later, Elizabeth Warren. Now, all of that having been said, folks... Thank you for tuning in all week long to me, myself, and I here on Critical Thinking. I hope you all have a great 4th of July weekend. We will be back probably on the 5th. Um, Keep tuned to At The Coppin Show on Twitter. We'll put it up on the Facebook page as well. And then the week after, um, it will be Pat Solo um, getting some time up in the north woods of Wisconsin with some family. And um, so I'm looking forward to that. But uh, Pat will return the week-long solo effort on his end. And with that being said, folks, please be smart, be safe, be kind. Make sure you eat all of your meals this weekend. And as always, Matthew 547.